1159 at Radio Free America. This is Uncle Sam with music and the truth until dawn. Right now, I've got a few words for some of our brothers and sisters in the occupied zone. The chair is against the walls. The chair is against the walls. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, Americans, another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. <laughs> Hey, welcome everybody to our Daily Gun Show. We come to you live uh, each weeknight at midnight Eastern. And for now, where we chat about guns. And I got lost here because I was reading the comments over on the uh, Gun Channel side. I haven't been paying attention over there, sorry. Uh, we've been chatting a little bit off air. Daniel came up with a couple good ideas to, for future shows. And um, I missed a whole bunch of stuff over in the chat there, so... I'll go through and read that when we're going here. Um, so this is a live chat. Until somebody else comes along and does it better, we're forced to use YouTube. YouTube hates guns. We like guns, so YouTube hates us. We use their software anyway, um, and we simulcast it over on gunchannels.com. Gunchannels.com is a community that we built five years ago now, an active community with people that are interested in Second Amendment and gun-related stuff. So that's where we're watching the comments. And occasionally we'll check the comments on the YouTube site as well. But a lot of people spend good money every single month. And over the years, a lot of people have put a lot of money into the effort over on gun channels. And I think it's a disgrace when we use the YouTube site. YouTube hates guns. We love guns. We like guns. We appreciate the Second Amendment. YouTube hates us. I don't like to use their platform if we can help it. Anyway, we've got a couple of people jumping in. Clover just jumped in from Texas. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for being back. Yeah, you bet. And then Daniel's jumping in from Illinois. Thanks for yep. jumping in. Glad to be here. And we got Mad, or Mad Dog. What's name? Just call me Dog. <laughs> yeah, let's just call you Dog. Uh, from Trump, Nevada. So uh, thanks everybody for jumping in. Uh, I'm on still on the, the road with the uh, Dutch Loophole Tour. And uh, again, appreciate everybody who's uh, dealing with the uh, sporadic shows and whatnot. Now, if anybody's interested in being part of the team and starting these shows on your computer someplace so that I can jump in with the phone, it would certainly make it a lot easier when we're on the road. But uh, till then, again, thanks for your patience with the uh, kind of haphazard nature of the show over the last couple of weeks. Uh, let's see, jumping in today, uh, because of the haphazard nature, we kind of jumped around the schedules and shifted shows. So it says we're on episode 664, which we're not, but uh, that means it's concealed and fanny packs. We'll talk about fanny packs, purses we can't really say too much about, um, but we could also talk about some of the things Dana was talking about before. So it is Wednesday, and normally on Wednesdays we would talk about entertainment, but Unless somebody's got something entertaining to talk about, uh, we can dig into fanny packs. So, has anybody ever real? Uh, when I first started uh, carrying, uh, being that one of the things I do is I do a lot of driving, and uh, when it's on my hip, uh, it's you know, especially with the seatbelt on, you know, it's it's to, to say it, it's a slow draw is probably an understatement. Um, and uh, for a, a long time, I carried a fanny pack with it up around my the, the, the front of me so that if I, I needed to, I could just pull one, one zipper open. And again, not a fast draw, but at least it'd be a successful draw of getting that out.
from the seating position while driving. One that was actually made to be a holster, so it held the gun with elastic or something or in some sort of holster, and then one zip opened it, or were you just like using a fanny pack as a holster? Uh, I actually used a Walmart Ozark fanny pack, small one on purpose, because I wanted it to be like a gray man holster that, yeah, I was walking around and I was just some guy with a fanny pack on and, and, no, and no one being, you know, the, the wiser that there's a gun in there. Um, uh, but it, it was it was specific for uh, a, a specific way to carry for a specific situation. That's why it worked for me. Uh, it, you know, and unless you're in a seated position or some unusual position, I don't see it as a good way to carry unless you have a highly restrictive thing because of whatever you're doing that you need to carry it right there to gain access to it. But, you know, that was my experience. And now what, what I've done is I've gone to uh, vest carry uh, where uh, so instead of being down at my waist, it's actually up a little higher on my chest, but I can still get to it from the seating position and I can get to it a little quicker than I can necessarily with the fanny pack because of that zipper situation. But, uh, you know, it, it is a, a quick, especially if you want to go with, you know, the gray man way of carrying or something like that, or you just like that concept. Um, I didn't do it because it was cheaper. I did it because it blended in and uh, it wasn't obvious. All right. Next. Well, um, so I can, I'll actually comment on both of these. I'll start off with the, the fanny pack. Uh, I did carry in a fanny pack when I used to decoy for dog trials because a regular holster on my hip was more problematic when sometimes I'd have to roll on the ground and things with the dogs. So I carried one for that. I don't think that they were, uh, I mean, it's obviously not as fast as carrying on my hip or even carrying under my arm, but I always thought they were nice and they were for when you're at long events and stuff or maybe where you're not necessarily going to need it. I liked it. Um, in regards to purses, as a married man, I can tell you right now, I like concealed carry purses. Uh, my wife can't carry a gun openly when she goes to work and her job keeping one concealed isn't a, a very good option. So I'm, it's nice to know she has a purse with a little compartment that's designed to hold her gun securely in her office. So I, I'm pro both of those things. Yeah, I think I fall into that category as well. I think it, um, you know, whatever you got to do to be able to carry, I mean, that's number one. I mean, if you're not carrying it, it's doing you absolutely no good. So, you know, if you're in a situation, you know, you're wearing sweatpants or, you know, something like that. And I mean, a fanny pack is, you know, is a more optimal way for you to carry under that situation. That's fine. Uh, and absolutely no problem with the purses. If you talk to most women, um, body shapes vary even more greatly than it it does with men so you know them carrying on body a lot of time is is an issue and then you know they're they dress a whole lot differently obviously so you know you run into that issue as well women are more into style and and things like that so um I don't have a problem. I mean, I know that you hear the argument all the time about the purse snatchers, you know, and, and I guess if you live in downtown Chicago or New York City where that's a prevalent thing, okay, maybe you have to worry about that. But 
um, you know, I, I fail to believe that the majority of people really have to worry about that. And that's a really easily solved issue with, uh, you know, cross shoulder uh, carry kind of depends on what purse you have. Uh, cross shoulder carry certainly would would alleviate that option uh and then too there's there's a certain amount of of diligence and responsibility with carrying the where you know you you don't leave your purse laying around and unattended and that sort of thing so uh, i think you know given the the situation calls for it and then given the, the right responsibilities behind it uh, either one are, are perfectly acceptable in my opinion All right, so I'll just play devil's advocate. The purse thing, I don't have that much experience with because I don't carry in bags. But um, when you talk about the cross shoulder, like you know, like you, like when I'm carrying my messenger bag or something, I mean, I'm not too worried about it. But if I was littler, I would be concerned. When you carry a bag in that position, sure, you're in control of it, but somebody can also use that shoulder strap if it's a strong enough bag as a handle to yank y'all around with. So, you know, there's there's that issue. The purchase purse is strong enough to not be snatched, then it's also strong enough to yank y'all around with it if someone just wants to knock you down. The, the exact same thing can be said of a woman's hair or head. I mean I can I can I can grab somebody's head and, and, and use it, you know, you know, as a place to, to uh to control them. By grabbing them from the back by the chin, I mean, or their arm, or their arms, or their so belt. You're, you're advocating head removal. Uh, I'm I, I'm saying something always beats nothing, and a slow draw always beats a gun at home. Yeah. Well, typically, I mean, yeah, women have do have you know longer hair. I guess. I mean, there are long long haired fellows out there as well, but uh, and short haired women. But, you know, typically that's, I guess, the societal norm. So, I mean, that's true. But, I mean, think about how many women wear scarves, you know, and, and different things like that. So, you know, and, and in general, I think women tend to wear looser garments of clothing uh, that can be used in that, in that fashion as well. As far as the slowness on a, on a purse carry, um, that just depends on the situation. I guess because if if situational awareness is present, and, and I know with the uh, with the main purse that my wife uses, she can carry that in a position to where she can pretty much have her hand on the grip of that firearm, and nobody knows the wiser, right? Uh, just unzip the pocket, she slides her hand in, and the pocket is in between the purse and her body, so it just like looks like her hand is behind the purse, basically. So you know, if she was walking in a dark parking lot, or 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 a, she shouldn't be in a dark parking lot, but you know, an area. Let's say that, you know, it got dark on her and she didn't realize where she was at, and the area wasn't as well lit as what it probably needed to be to get to her vehicle or something like that. Uh, she could always be in the ready position, more or less, and then that's going to increase that that draw speed. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Clover on that, and with what Dano said, I would rather. You know, if my wife can't carry on her body, I would rather she have that gun in her bag than not have that gun at all. And then the issue with anything that's strapped to you is uh, letter openers, the little you know things you can get for nothing at a stationery store that are just a little razor blade, a little piece of plastic in such a way that it opens letters for you. 
very much like a seatbelt cutter. So they work as webbing cutters and criminals that know what they're doing. And you can dismiss it as being stuff that happens in the big city because I'm sure it happens more often there. But anytime you're oblivious and there's a target opportunity like that, um, I would fear that. So uh, again, the time you make the strap substantial enough to not be cut as easy, then you start again turning it into a force or leverage against you. Well, you know, one thing that, that in, in talking about this, I know it's not necessarily the subject, but it's something that certainly plays into it. Is I would like to actually see some stats on purse snatching, um, past, present, and all that good kind of stuff. Or, or do we have an epidemic? Has the rate been going down? And the reason I say that, the reason I say that is you got to realize, you know, back with all the '80s movies or whatever, where you see the guy running down the street full speed, speed, snag the purse and purse and take off and stuff, right? Like in the movies, um, a lot of that is contingent nowadays i mean that's lower end criminals and that that tended to be when people carried cash and now there's a lot of debit card and credit card that just with one phone call you shut those down you know your purse gets snatched and you know how hard is it to grab a phone and call and say shut them down you know and if the person uses them they're going to get caught you know it's not like stealing cash so it makes me wonder you know, even in a big city situation or something like that, it kind of makes me wonder, even in a setting like that, what the odds actually are of something like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm wondering if that tends to be more of a crime of opportunity rather than something planned out. And you know, where where a guy's going to get a tool to quickly, you know, separate the person from their uh, purse. No, no, no. First off, I got to say I was thinking the same thing when you were talking earlier, Clover. That I'm wondering if any of the female organizations, because I would think they'd have more interest in disputing that myth if it's a myth or figuring out the, the real facts on it because you're right a lot of that is probably just you know the old you know everybody says that for off care off body carry equals getting it snatched but um i think it's also incorrect to assume that it's always like in the movies where somebody grabs it and there's commotion and they go running away with it um from just talking to people who uh build backpacks for travelers. Um, Way more of it is razor blades. And when you're sitting down someplace and they're not targets of opportunity, these people prey on people that are unaware. And it doesn't always have to be in populated areas. When you sit down with a bag and you slice it with a razor blade, they're gone. As far as the credit cards versus cash, I agree with you, not that many people carry cash, but people still carry cash. but credit cards can be sold quickly and all over the world. So uh, there's major markets and credit card numbers and stuff. So I don't know about the credit card pieces of plastic or whatever, but I'm not in that world. Um, But I have seen some stuff on the market and credit card numbers and they use those things pretty quick. People that are aware of what to do with them or stealing them know how to effectively get as much as they can. It's just like phone numbers. You can, you know, sell a phone number over and over and over. I've had my credit card number. This is slightly off the subject, uh, stolen from me via online purchases, probably, uh, six plus times since the nineties. Uh, and, and typically they, they, they would make, uh, two to three purchases before the banks would figure out something was going on in the middle of the night, suddenly across the country, uh, before they would shut the card off. 
So, um, you know, it, it, the, the way that they're using cards are different. They don't need the physical card. Uh, and, and so the type of crime that they're committing tends to be more uh, online electronic rather than physical yep. as far as the card type. Well, I mean, I don't have exactly. You've still got recourse, though. you got massive recourse, whereas you don't with cash. They still your cash is gone. With with credit cards, I mean, like I said, a call to, to the bank. I mean, even after the fact, even after there's, and I've had mine, you know, back when I was in business because I did a whole lot of online purchasing. Um, you know, my it it was nothing for mine to get compromised. You know, I might me to have one compromised once a year, and I never was responsible for any of it. It never really cost me anything. Well, that's uh, it was a little bit of hassle, you know, to yeah. get that canceled and get a new one and whatever. But I was never out a single dime. Yeah, and, and the so, same thing was true with me. I never had to pay a penny. All right. Well, well we're we're turning this into a more of a security thing, yeah. but that's fine. So that's the danger, though, is that because there's no really consequence to the end user, it's no perceived cost to the end user, um, then this stuff becomes more prevalent. And the, what we're talking about is a firearm in the bag. So if the Concept is someone's going to, you know, I'm trying to play devil's advocate. The concept is someone's going to steal your bag for what's in it. Um, if you guys haven't checked it out, I wish I could recollect where I saw this. I'm pretty sure it was a YouTube thing, but it might have been like Vice TV or something because it was pretty thorough. So it was a highly produced thing. And they talked about the number of credit cards and how quickly. So, yeah, let's say it's a bunch of $30 just to throw some numbers out there. If they, they do $30 charges and you figure it out on the third one and tell your credit card company and they walk away with 30 bucks then that's an that's an incentive for someone who's got a organized thing going to do that often and when i saw the thing i'm thinking of you know we're talking hundreds and thousands of credit card numbers and like basically like they used to run like this sophisticated system where as soon as a number, as soon as a card comes into the system, it's immediately charged all over the place, knowing that the credit card companies to deal with this abuse just write off a certain amount of their profits to pay for these little petty charges. And that's where, unfortunately, like I say, there's no uh, no big push from the end user, us, the people who get our cards stolen to do anything about it. And it wouldn't be a big deal if they just steal our credit card number while we're buying, you know, a restaurant or dinner or something. But uh, if they're stealing our bags to get the credit cards, but then they have a firearm, that's the that's the negative consequence that we're trying to talk about. Well, I'm a, I'll I'll take this in a direction. I don't have hard numbers for you because, as far as I know, I don't know who has who would have these hard numbers. But all the years I spent working bars and nightclubs the violent purse snatching isn't really a thing i mean it, I'm, I'm not going to say it never happens but it's extremely rare the, the vast majority of purse snatching that you see that i ever had to write reports about are really crimes of opportunity where people aren't paying attention and you know i find that that seems to be the case you know like g's talking about with people coming up and he's right they, they get very clever with how to cut purse straps and stuff like that but the vast majority of what you see crime wise with that kind of theft what i've seen in the last 10 years has really been crime of opportunity people going places and not paying attention um you know women get their wallets stolen out of their purses 
all the time when they go to lunch with their girlfriends because the guy's sitting at the restaurant bar, you know, that pickpocket skill is not a forgotten art. Well, that's what I'm saying. When we say crime of opportunity, it's not as though the criminal was like, oh, I'm going to steal this guy's wallet. The criminal is running around like a shark in the water looking for prey. They're out to steal that day. And the, the, the unaware person walks in front of them or they go to a place where they know unaware people are going to be. It's not as though the criminal was like just eating some French fries and decided, oh, here's an open purse. Let me right. become a criminal. No, it's the other way around. Now, but now that being said. That opportunity for the, from that suspect that's not paying attention. But now that being said. But I'm saying I think the criminals wake up that day and go, I'm going to go steal some money and go to places looking for those unaware people. So I think and, they are out there like predators looking for prey. And yeah, I don't and think I th when we I say think, it. But. I think you're completely right with that. What I'm saying, though, is that as each of us in here, I, I believe I think all of us are carriers. We all know that we have a responsibility for that firearm attached to us. I have a responsibility for the firearm in my truck. I have a responsibility for the firearm on my hip. And that's where if you're somebody, be man, woman, whatever, you're carrying off body in a bag, that's your job to be that, to take that extra step of vigilance, to not give that opportunity. Don't well, make yourself a target. But I think it goes further than that, in that, you know, if you're talking about a purse specifically that has other contents, you know, I, I can't tell you the number of times that, you know, you go to Walmart, for example, and walk around and look at purses sitting in the little whatever the baby area, whatever it is of the buggy. And the, yeah. the lady has her back turned and is 15, 20 foot away from the buggy. And or on like, the phone. Oh yeah. my God. Exactly. And that's you know? them not taking accountability for themselves. Yeah. So, I mean, have it, like I said, over your, your shoulder, something. I mean, if it's, if it's important to you, we don't walk around with our wallets sitting there and just leave them sitting. You know, a, a that's a classic that. example of a crime of opportunity. You know, the woman is looking one way. I mean, she may not even have her hand on the cart. And, you know, two feet away is the purse. Anybody walking the opposite direction can lift it right out of the cart and then and then be gone. Mm -hmm. yeah. So so I think the end result of this is purse holstering not terrible as long as you are responsible. Yeah, and I think responsibility is something with any type of carry that has to be, whether it's responsible hip carry, responsible pocket carry, responsible uh, fanny pack carry, uh, uh, bra carry, uh, whatever you're doing, responsibility has to be the first part of it. Otherwise, it's going to be a failed system. There's got to be a joke in there about pickpocketing and the bra carry, but this is a sophisticated show, so we'll move on from that. Gary, don't gizzard yourself here. If there's anything you want to add, of course, jump in. I understand. All right. So that was fanny packs and whatnot. Um, I also want to throw in there that the fanny packs that are made to be holsters do look a little dumb, but some of them look different. Like uh, I'm thinking of the wilderness thing, the packer, I think they call it. And it sort of looks like just a square. And it's not in a form factor of a typical fanny pack. So I think most people are going to dismiss it as a weird cell phone case or maybe some kind of medical thing that you're carrying around for some reason, um, you know, or something else. Like you're going to mentally not think of it as a, a fanny pack. 
but it basically is a holster. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they cut. They're, they're big and square, about the size of a small med kit. Almost like right. for a, like a tablet or something, yeah. But they're thin, so they're, they would basically, I think a lot of people would probably think a tablet or something's in there. <clears throat> but they look a little bit like uh, for a use. Like you might think it's like for, like if you, I was just thinking I saw somebody walk around with something at a Walmart the other day doing inventory, and it looked like the little battery pack looking thingy. Like it almost looked like it had a purpose, right? But it definitely didn't look like the gun thing. But anyway, um, I have seen some that are, more elaborate than others that are made to be holsters. And some of them are complicated for no reason. I'm just missing those. But uh, if it's something you're curious about, like you guys, I forget who said, but you know, like shorts or sweatpants or if you're exercising or something. Um, yeah, I mean, most guns are gonna weigh down just a pair of shorts, right? So that's an option that keeps it everything we want, oriented, trigger covered, uh, secure, and I mean, unless you're super oblivious, I don't see too many people walking off with their fanny pack. It'd be pretty, pretty interested in something else to have somebody come up and take something off your belt or take your actual belt away. Exactly. Right, so the transition. part comes in. I mean, because you're keeping it snapped, you're just not holding on to it. Um, I'm going to let Gary come up with the member of the day while I address some of the stuff that came up on the gun channel site earlier. So I forget who they were asking. We were kind of chatting uh, earlier in the text chat over on gun channels. Uh, then Dano jumped into the chat and dog and we started chatting about some things in the off air and I totally ignored the text chat. So I'm going to go back and double check on some of that. So for people that aren't aware, uh, gunchannels.com, the place that we're talking about, uh, isn't perfect. And one of the issues we're having is with the, the text chat. Um, the text chat that shows up underneath of the window on your channel uh, is busted, let's say. It's old code. And I just have it there for the people that are familiar with it and that are kind of not really paying attention to what's going on in the chat, but are looking for links and that kind of thing. And whenever we did the changes or, you know, months ago already, uh, that became aware that, or we all became aware that that requires you to refresh the browser in order to see whatever updates are happening there. And that's frustrating. But at the bottom right corner of the screen, whenever you're logged into gun channels, you're going to have a little button that says, uh, like a bottom tab that says chat rooms. And uh, when you click on that, uh, you'll see a couple of chat rooms show up there. Again, because this is old code, it's not necessarily right up to date with whatever page you're on. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. So if it's not the chat that you know, corresponds to the page you're on, hit refresh a couple of times and then that thing will line up with the page that you're on, the channel that you're on. And that one you won't have to refresh, just see the ongoing chats. So uh, for now, uh, this will change here in a couple of weeks when we get to roll up our sleeves and work on it again. Uh, but for now, uh, when you log into a channel, use the chat at the bottom right, and that one will uh, update. No problems for you. Then um, someone was saying, why wasn't in there uh, defending Red Dawn? I didn't even know what Matt's chat was about today, so I only saw it literally like the last couple of moments. And uh, I'm not sure what the – I think it was gun movies. It was uh, guns that represented the – Second uh, represented guns well, so Red Dawn won. Good. 
and uh, I think Predator went up against it. No, not Predator. Punisher. Um, Punisher. And I'm assuming they mean the Punisher with John Travolta being the bad guy. Uh, I used Warzone as our premise. Warzone, the new one. No, Warzone is the third one. It came out after Tom Jane. It's the one where he goes up against Jigsaw and he basically one building and he just shoots his way through the whole thing. Wait, you're talking about the TV series one? No, no, that's the movie. It came out after two years after I think Tom Jane's version came out with John Travolta. Yeah, that's the newest one, isn't it? Anyway, I don't know which one that is, I guess, but uh, Punisher isn't necessarily the best gun movies. But anyhow, so that's why I wasn't in there defending it because I wasn't, I was driving and I didn't know that the show was happening. I don't know what time zone I'm in actually. So I didn't know what time anything was happening. So I missed it basically. Um, I think that was about most of it. Uh, so that gave Gary enough time. Who's our member of the day? Well, I'd like to throw the name of the Outlaw Hatfield out there. Right on. So today is Wednesday. Is today his first day or was yesterday? Uh, I think yesterday. Yeah, I think that's right. I saw him on. I sent him a link, but he might be sleeping or whatever. Uh, anybody hear how it went for him? I did He's, not. He sold a gun. He cleaned the shop. And he bailed on match chat because he said he needed to go to sleep. Awesome. Awesome. So that's cool. So selling a gun is a pretty cool thing. Has anybody in here sold a gun before? Nope. Like at a shop like that? Uh, as an official employee, no. But, I mean, I've worked with uh, one of the gun shops slash pawn shops that was here in town for several years. And I hung out there a lot. And... You know, as a as a regular, knowing the owners and everything else, I often went behind the counter and helped people when they come in. So, you know, I did sell them, you know, guns and took them over to the gal that you know rings stuff up or whatever. But uh, you know, never uh, an actual employee of a gun store. Right on. Yeah. So when you work at a gun, well, the gun shop is an FFL, and the FFL can put names on it. I guess is how to say it. I don't know. How to technical jargon but basically the, the people that work at a gun shop are on the ffl so they can write themselves we call ourselves sales associates or something on the 4473 but we can sign the 4473s and uh it's a shit it's a shit your pants experience first time you sell a gun i mean chatting somebody up and explaining guns to them that's a that's 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 a thing i mean that's that's definitely interesting there's a little bit more consequence to it when you're representing a store, right? Like you say, like Clover saying, you know, standing behind the counter, there's a little bit more to it than just chatting. And you're actually do a disservice to everybody if you just sit around chatting. So there is a skill to selling a gun, but when you talk about the actual selling of the gun, and I'm assuming that's what he's talking about, um, taking it over and filling out the 4473 and signing it with the guy, it's weird because even though there's no actual immediate consequence to it, I can tell you after, I don't know, Bob was in business 13 years. I probably was officially on the books for like 10 of those and, you know, sold shit tons of guns over the years. Um, I've had to almost go to court, like almost had got called to court 
ATF come and visits with you, the, the person who signed it, years, I think it was eight months or something later. Describe what this yeah. guy was doing at the time. I mean, that's a thing that happens. It's interesting. And when you start putting your name on those 4473s, they start adding up. When you're buying a gun, you know, you do that once in a while, depending on how many funds you got and what kind of, you know, collection you're building. But when you're on the other side of that, it's like being at the house at the poker, at the slot machines or whatever thing, what am I saying? Say the casinos, you know, the, they start accumulating. Like, I don't know how many 4473s I've filled out as myself, but I know it's dwarfed by the number I've, you know, signed as an employee. Right. I do have a question. Uh, what you mentioned so far, uh, there's still another part of it, and that's the inventory book. Uh, things being signed into the shop and then things being signed out of the shop. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, now, I'm sure shops operate differently, but what, what are some of the common practices as far as uh, the t an employee being given access to that book, signing something out along with the 4473 versus... He does the forty four seventy three, and then his boss does the inventory book. That's my experience. That's usually the way it goes. Yeah, the book is the shop. The book is the a con the consequence of the book being screwed up is you're not in business anymore. Like they slap you maybe if there's like you know an I L L instead of I L for Illinois, you know, or a W I S instead of W I for Wisconsin. They might let you slide on a couple of those maybe. But, you know, if it's screwed, then you could lose your store. So um, most of the, and that's something else that I guess I, you know, we're thinking small stores. I'm, I worked in a small store, you know, Bob was the owner and he was there and there was a couple of employees. Um, there was, you know, no chain of command. But in a store that's larger, I'd known guys that worked in larger stores and like say I've hung out in larger stores and they'll oftentimes have store staff that, you know, does the selling of the gun and then you walk over just like clover was saying you walk over to the usually a girl that does the 4473s and then it's one person who does all the 4473s or at least you know a couple of people that do all the 4473s and depending on the size or scale of the shop or the however they structure it you know that could be easier or whatever less complicated sometimes that's a pain in the ass but um that's one way to, and if he does something like that, then he'll never fill out a 4473 if his, if, I don't know how big a scale the shops are, you know, it might be that something like that. In that case, a lot of times that person is in like inventory or whatever that equivalent department would be. And then at the end of the day, they probably do the book, but um, basically do your 4473s and in 24 hours, they have to be hundred percent legit. So usually at the end of working or the beginning of the next day, whoever's in charge of the book takes all the 4473s and make sure everything's legit. So whether it's a mom and pop or whether it's a Walmart, uh, they all have to they have 24 hours to get that inventory book uh, up to speed. Yeah, I do, like theoretically, if the ATF came in 26 hours after a gun was sold and your book wasn't accurate, there's consequences. Now, yeah. have you ever seen the, um, the little key template things for the 4473? Or is that just the thing with this one shop I experienced? No, I've seen that. Like sort of like the key cards for like a test or something. Mm -hmm. They'll take a yeah. piece of yeah, plastic and cut little sections. Yeah, they're translucent, and then they have some text on things to look for or whatever, and you just place them over the 4473, and you can real quickly tell, make sure they filled everything out. And then, like I said, the problem areas apparently were like noted with little notes 
mm-hmm. the translucent part or whatever. They were pretty so, neat. So it's like a, a template for the employee. Yeah, you just, it th- it, you throw it over and it weeds out all of the all of the text, right? All it all it shows through really is what the what the purchaser, the buyer, uh, the transferee, or the buyer, according to the forty four seventy three, what they filled out, right? And then your part, what you you know, what has to be manually written in, in other words, is all it shows through. And then key problem areas on the ones that I'm familiar with the set I'm familiar with, which that was a couple of years ago, but um, it had actual couple of the little boxes underneath. It would have text to say, be sure this is, you know, this is the way it looks or whatever. Or, this is how it's written. You'd have like your 11 questions on one area your iteration of the 4473, all your 12 questions or your 11 questions or whatever it is would be yes, 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 yes. You know, you'd have to start with yes. And then a shit ton of no's or something like that. And then, Right on the initial buyer, and then a bunch of no's, and then you'd get to the end, and it would say, you know, and are you also, you know, like the thirteenth question, but very similar in the form and layout. It would say, and are you a non-U.S. purchaser of this firearm? And then people would usually put yes in there, when because they didn't read it, and they're basically saying, I'm a non-citizen. And then you got to go, no, you got to cross it out initially. So it's a pain in the ass. So stuff like that that like the form created a bottleneck is why those templates are cool. Especially if you got a lot of people, more than one set of eyes, like working on a 4473 or somebody who forgets shit or isn't paying good, you know, doesn't pay a lot of attention to detail. Again, an auditor, uh, ATF auditors, when they come in, they had a bad day or they're just like, you know, they didn't get enough caffeine or whatever. I don't know what their issues are, but um, they can cite there's consequences if you've, use the old form of uh, state abbreviations. Something as minor as a type of abbreviation, if it's pre 80 something or post 80 something, you know, three letter post office abbreviation or two letter, stupid stuff like that. And they can well, a lot, of, a lot of, uh, a lot of dealers nowadays have gone to the electronic system too, the digital system. Yeah, I was going to ask if anybody's done that. I, I've always find that weird when I go into a shop and they want me to sit on the computer. It's yeah. horrible, and as Second Amendment advocates, we should be resisting. I feel that's. Uh, is there a rule of thumb or an actual ATF rule on the number of of errors and corrections one can make before one needs to refill out a paper form? Yeah, zero. Okay, because you mentioned cross out an initial. Yeah, well, that's an error. You can cross out an initial. Some stores won't deal with cross out an initials. Like if they ever got their hand slapped for that, you probably you know you can tell a store that's got their hand slapped for too many cross outs and initials. Um, they won't let you ever do it. And I can think of a couple of stores that are like that. Like you'd fill out a form and do something wrong at the end. Nope. You're filling out the entire piece of paper again, because they will not take one with a crossed out thing. Other stores that don't get audited so hard or the people aren't, you know, so whatever, whatever the circumstances are, other stores will let you do it two or three times. Um, I'm, uh, but as far as, you know, somebody, like say that whatever that question was, are you a U.S. citizen? And they put no. I think that's what it was. And then you got to say, are you a new U.S. citizen? Then you got to cross that out and put your initials in there because you, you just filled it out incorrectly, right? And then they realize it and they do that. That's okay. But if that employee didn't realize it and that customer left and now that thing is wrong, that's no. You don't get to say, oh, that's a mistake. <laughs> no, you call that customer in and he has to come back. 
an initial it and all that shit, uh, or I don't know, there's probably all different kinds of consequences, all different kind of results from shit, but let's I say it's it date the back. That's a fault of the employee that there's no, like, oh, you can, you get six of those or something like, nope, you get zero of those. I can't tell you how many times <clears throat> just knowing, you know, it's that way with a situation like you're talking about working with Bob and, and I did, even though I wasn't an official employee, I mean, there's, I've got multiple friends that are FFL dealers and I'll be in there and, <clears throat> and buy something, fill out the paperwork, right? And I've got my, I got my license to carry, so it's not a big deal. So I fill out the paperwork, my license to carry sitting there <clears throat> and they'll hand it back to me. And I've forgotten to sign and date it. And I'll get home and there'll be like a message. It's like, hey, dude, uh, can you come back and sign this? <laughs> like, yeah, crap. I forgot. You know, and of course, you know, they trusted me and I, I, whatever. And I just wasn't paying attention. We were talking and, you know, so it, it does happen, especially in a small, in a small gun shop setting. It can happen for sure. Uh, I mean, things can, especially if the employee isn't, confident with the paperwork things can get hairy real quick I, i've have bought guns before uh i remember one of the shotguns i bought i bought out of a big five because i was in california and the area i was in gun shops that were very prevalent and i got so frustrated because the employee behind the counter didn't know how to fill out the paperwork and it, by the time i bought that gun is you know something that should have taken 15 minutes to 45. so it can be just as as stressful as it is for us it can be just as stressful on the employees especially if they're in a business that they're not being properly trained in well i don't know we started all this with ellis <laughs> selling his first gun and getting tired so um We've got to find out from them, I guess, what it means at PSA when you sell a gun. And of course, we'll be curious what gun he sold and to who. But uh, it's also, it's just neat. It's neat. To, we all have been following him along and know that he was not super big in his old gig. And uh, yeah, it'd be fun to hear what he's, what he's got to say. So excellent idea for a member of the day. Uh, it's what Gun Channel is all about is, uh, uh, you know, just having a conversation and Ellis definitely is one to participate in the conversations and to share his experiences with everybody. So I noticed we got a lot of new people uh, hanging out on gun channels. I know a lot of people are out there singing the praises and we say, come over to gun channels, but what we don't have is, you know, like kind of like super thought out, you know, welcoming type of, I don't know, walk through or, or what do you call it? Like a tour of gun channels. So anybody who's got some interest in taking it to the next level, um, we definitely need some people to help with outreach as we get to the fifth year anniversary and I'm rebuilding it here. Once I get back to Arizona, um, we'll be rebuilding it and sprucing it up, fixing that chat up and probably going with a new type of chat. Um, we're going to want to bring people on board and giving them some sort of an experience that is, um, out and useful would be awesome i wish i could do it all but i'm not good at that stuff and i don't have time to do everything so anybody that wants to participate gun channels is a co collaborative effort it's a community after all and it's not a you know, pre-planned you know 
everything taken care of for you community. It's a uh, roll up your sleeves, grab a shovel and think about what is a better way to build this mousetrap type of community. So now are, are blue, are blue blazers required to give the tour? I'm just, just no. curious. Okay. Pants, pants are required. Oh, pants are required. So we, no shirt. We're fine. Just got to have pants. Bob would not hang out if we had a shirt policy. So. As long as you know the secret handshake, that's the important thing. That's right. That's why you got to wear pants. That's so, true. Uh, thanks for that good suggestion for member of the day. And we'll keep moving. So we do try to, we do this show on the daily so that we can incorporate a new gun shop every day, but also so ideally that we can focus on some of the members over on gun channels. So. Um, it is a community and it's made up of individuals. People put a lot of time and effort into it. People pay every single month. And I don't want that to go unnoticed. It doesn't even exist without the efforts and the financial support of a bunch of people. You only pay a buck or maybe what, $2.23. Some people pay $7 a month, but most people are paying a buck. And that keeps a pretty complicated thing running all the time. And it isn't perfect, but it is... Uh, supported by the people using it. So I appreciate the people right now that are over there uh, using the clunky broken system to uh, to chat over there. And we're getting a lot of uh, feedback. So I appreciate that. That's what this show is all about is communication and not just being fed, not just turning on and plugging in and getting programmed, instead being part of the conversation. And that's what Gun Channels is all about. All right, with that, we can move on to Seriously, how many holsters do you own? So now we got a couple more people jumping in. Uh, I see Bob jumped in from Canada. Thanks for joining. I'd love to be here. Um, guys are jumped in there, snuck in from, why do I want to keep saying Iowa now? Kansas. Thanks for jumping Kansas. in. Yeah. And, uh, well, Dan already mentioned. So um, we'll just go my left to right. How many holsters do you own? If you can put a number on it, Bob. Uh, seven. Okay, Clover. Um, you know what? I have no idea. Yep, Gizzard. It's either twelve or thirteen. <coughs> Dana. He's mute. Yeah, apparently. Doug. Uh, currently, only four. Wow. So if you, can, if you know how many, you don't have enough. That's all I yeah, think you guys are doing this right. I sold I a lot even, of my guns recently, so I would well, say does I own I know I own holsters for guns I don't yeah. own. I don't think I could count how many piles in places I've stowed host holsters. I know there's like at least two bags of them. I know there's a drawer of ones I use. I know there's like a range bag full of ones I used at the range. Like I can't even think of how many places I have piles of holsters. I got so many freaking holsters. I'm glad I'm not the only one that's not sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I mean, and I don't, I mean, I guess for a minute I was like, oh, I'm going to try to do some different holster videos or something. But I quickly figured out that it was pointless because you can go to a gun shop and do a much better, more inclusive video on all the different kind of holsters, right? With an actual selection or a gun show or something. Oh, yeah. But uh, that was just literally like this holster didn't work. Another one. This one didn't work. Another one. 
oh, this one looks a little bit better. Another one. Like, and and sometimes it's simply because it's it's like you know like if you uh if if you and I both wear a, a size uh, eleven shoe. Uh, you can go to a certain brand uh, shoe that may fit your foot correctly, but won't fit mine correctly because of minor deviations, you know, in our feet. The same thing is true for holsters is it's very much of a personal thing as far as what fits, you know, you. See, I, I hate having extra stuff, so I sell stuff that I don't use. That's a good point, and I've got to say that you would think, and I th have thought, like, nobody wants these old holsters because everybody has a drawer of holsters. That's not true. You put that stuff on eBay, and it sells. It's crazy. I had stuff that I thought was not even suitable for, like, kids in airsoft or just playing, you know, like, give a kid a holster for a wooden gun type of playing, and sure enough, everything sold. So Let me interrupt you just a moment and say that apparently I'm surrounded by right-handed people. <laughs> because nobody ever wants mine. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's another thing. Like, uh, one of one of I've given away tons of holsters to people I know. Like one of my friends, I got I got him into carrying guns, and to help bring down his cost, I set him up with his whole first rig. You know, all he had to do was buy the gun and get the permit. And if he was doing Yankees, what was it? Uh, Yankee Posse is a, project. The pistol project. I get one for nothing. Yeah. But yeah, you can uh, definitely donate holsters. That's a thing. You can donate them to your local shop if we'll take them. They might have a bunch that don't want them, but they might appreciate something like that as a donation. But you can sell them, and I'm too cheap to just give them, especially if you make a couple of bucks. And eBay is a. Uh, social media platform. So every time you sell something on eBay and get a little uh, reputation, little mark over there, that gives you a credible, you know, metric on the internet. Uh, you can have relationships over there and um, having a bigger and bigger eBay store is always a good thing. So don't discount, you know, the method of sales, you know, giving you more than one benefit. I guess we technically still have 24-hour gun show. Still run a 24-7 gun show. Should we look at that? It's probably getting used by spam. Should put some polls up and see if anybody wants to keep something like that going on my channel. I did try to sell a, a couple at the very beginning, and then I, I didn't get any takers, so I just gave up because there's just a very limited left-handed world. That's interesting. Now, I have left-handed holsters because I like the idea of carrying both sides. And, you know, depending on what's going on, um, I think it's worth having holsters for both sides for the guns you carry a lot. Um, let's say you broke your arm or you broke your wrist or something happened and you glued two fingers together or something, then you're just not going to carry or you're going to put your left-handed holster on and carry a left hand. But, um, you know, that's weird. I would think that there'd be fewer left-handed holsters and there are a bunch of you people. So I would think you'd be selling quickly but not the case all right well maybe you uh oh well they were for nine millimeters probably nobody buys those <laughs> gotta ah. think about it. yeah you gotta <laughs> think about resale when you buy the things in the first place you were just thinking this was a left hand 
All right. Well, um, it's blocked. Interesting. Um, but it, nobody's using it right now, Gary. Anyway, so uh, it's one of those things. If if it's not being actively used, then you know, on one side, then it's not going to be actively used on the other. So a bunch of people posted stuff, but a bunch of people didn't buy stuff. So then people quit posting, and then there's nothing to buy. Um, but you know, it's like anything. You breathe some life into it once in a while and if it catches it'll catch i uh, just throw a link out there to ghost if he wants to jump in as he made a leather holster for gun channels yeah uh i forgot who bought that um but whoever did but you started using it is this a youtube comment i gave two 1911 holsters to my local gun store because who wants a 1911 anyway good point what? Just reading All right. So, how many holsters you own is kind of a I don't know question, but I think uh, if Dog wasn't selling them, he'd have a pile of them. He'd be knee deep in them. Bob just oh, doesn't yeah. get to. Carry, you know, Bob doesn't get to carry so much. Um, Ghost, you were saying you don't know even know how many drawers of them. Yeah, I have no idea. I've I've given away probably thirty of them. I mean, I've probably still got over a hundred somewhere. You know, just I like holsters. Um. Well, that sounds like potential for videos. I don't know if y'all have done videos on holsters before, but uh, whenever I was trying to do something for to answer some question at some point years ago, um, like I say, I was gonna put together like a, a holster video, and I just decided to go to a store, asked them if I could take a what it took half an hour to do the whole thing. Yeah. You know, if I could take a little while and use all their holsters and I was able to put a bunch up onto a counter and you know, we went through basically every style, shape and use, you know, and then we were able to plug the store and everybody was happy. The problem the problem I would have if I went through tried to dig out mine and then I probably seventy five percent I have no clue what they are, where they came from or what they fit anymore. <laughs> Yeah. So if you go in a store like you're talking about, they're at least they're marked, you know, and they're current production stuff. And I think what we did is end up using like you know like a Glock 17 holster so that they'd be comparable, you know, so if, so you're not looking at like a revolver pancake versus a you know polymer something for a polymer gun. And you see, Clover, that's why I tend to sell stuff I'm not using. <laughs> that's a good point. Some people will put them in like piles or drawers or something like stuff in this drawer is for that gun and the stuff in this drawer is for that gun. I started out that way, but I'm not organized enough to keep it that way. Yeah, I've gone through like 17 different versions because they keep getting more. And then, I don't know, you, you acquire them just because everybody's passing them around. You know, oh, I bought this gun and come with three holsters. And I didn't use any of them. I went and got a fourth holster, you know, so now I got four holsters. Yeah, something. and then, then you can't find the one you thought you had. You could have swore you had it. You know you had it. You know it was here. Exactly. You search everywhere. You can't find it. So then you finally give up. You go ahead, you buy another one. Then six months later, you find the original one. Yeah. See, that's where I have my holsters that I use are over here with the mags and the guns. And then the holsters that I... I'll, sometimes if I'm taking a gun, to, like if I'm going to a class and I'm using this gun, I'm going to bring a backup gun, maybe two, depending on how strenuous of shit I might be doing, so that I don't have to worry about going down, right? I've got another gun to go to. 
So if I was going to do that, I'd want those guns in the range bag to be in holsters, not that I was going to use those holsters, but then they weren't flubbling around all over my range bag. You know, they were stuck in there in a holster. So I've got those kind of holsters that are like my staging holsters. And, you know, if I was doing like IDPA, same thing. I don't want to be in the middle of a match or something and be done, you know, done because I forgot my gun or have to use somebody else's gun and be a that guy. So uh, I have staging holsters and those are in a separate place. But then I had just bags basically of old stuff that I had tried before and I didn't like. And like I say, I didn't think anybody was ever going to want it. And I figured I'd just have to go to a gun show one day and put it in one of those $5 for everything in this bucket type of things. But I started putting them on eBay one at a time and surprising. Even if you, I think I even put them up there for like, you know, 99 cents and they went up to, some of them were surprising how high they went, more than I spent for them. Okay, well, you think there'd be, there's got to be, maybe there's something we could do as a collaborative thing. So somebody gets surprised if they can come up with some kind of a interesting exercise for a whole bunch of people with a whole bunch of holsters to come up with. Well, at the top of your head, how many different types of holsters, you know, like, like there's a waist holster, there's a pocket holster, there's a um, shoulder. Uh, shoulder holster, um, there's a drop holster, ankle holster. I mean, how many different types of holsters would you say for getting materials that there probably are, generally speaking? I owned all of those. And I think I got rid of my drop holsters, but I still own ankle, shoulders, and inside and outside the waistbands and pockets. Uh, holsters? I, I think there's like seven or eight different that come to mind. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm up to seven so far. I think would be a kind of a cool idea is if, let's say, someone's got 10 Glock 19 holsters and someone you know has got a bunch of, you know, I don't know, SIG P320s. Someone's got a bunch of revolvers. Like if I was to do a video and kind of highlight five or six of my Glock 19 holsters, and then Clover does some revolver holsters and say, hey, you know, if you're looking for a good revolver for a 686, a holster for a 686, go check out Clover's video. He's got five or six holsters for 686s. And then he can pass and we can all link to everyone doing specific guns with holsters. We might have several of. And now we've created this whole catalog of not only collaborating and sending people to other channels, but now we've got a catalog of and linked to all these different guns, maybe. I don't know. No, that's a good idea. That it, it incorporates information plus networking. I like it. All right. Well, that was how many guns or how many holsters do we own? Uh, Clover, you said you have a gun shop today? Yeah. Uh, let's do Max Gun Shop. You want to look it up, or you want me to? Oh, Not I can't. I'm, I'm I'm handicapped. I'm only using one yeah, monitor, so I can look it up. Let's try it. I can try. Is it, I'm in like the big fat crayon of the internet right now. Right, I understand. Giant Lego blocks. I'll try to. Now you're talking dirty to me. Talking about crayons. Mm, oh, I forgot stuff. to look the chat today. I'll try to screen share here. <laughs> And yeah, this is Max Gun Shop. 
in uh, Tyler, Texas. So started in uh, 47, I believe. It should say on here somewhere. I like how they've taken Tardot's logo. So Tardot looks like he's going to make some real good money on the last one. Right. right. I think it's I think it's 47. Um, yeah, what's cool about this, I wish there was a street view. Because I, I, that's one of the things I really wanted to. Let me see if I can go back. It's one of the things I really wanted to to show. Let's do the street view because. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to show something. It, it's on the website. They've got it like a 360 tour, which is cool too. But I wanted to do the. Oops, I wanted to do the street view because I wanted to show something. In this. Okay, here's their building. Right. See how long it is. Very cool. So when we when we get there's not a range in here. So when we get inside the building, keep in mind that it's probably only to like maybe this gutter right here is the actual what you're gonna see. The rest of this is what's impressive. Uh, this place has been around since like '47, and this back is wall to wall to wall to wall shelves of old gun parts. And I'm talking about just almost any part you could just about fathom. It takes them like a week to find it. <laughs> You've got to call them. They're like, yeah, we probably have that. And they'll put it on a list. And apparently, I guess they've got maybe some kid that comes in or something that goes back there and looks for parts because uh, it takes them some time. But uh, they don't have a very good site. Their photo gallery here is, is mostly like hunting pictures and stuff like that. But they do have that. They do have their 360 thing on the home homepage. And it wants to play audio when you do it, which sucks. But let me blow this up, and we can go in the front door here, hopefully. That's pretty good. And so you can see it's definitely an older an older store. Good selection. Um, got a lot of stuff. I'm not real sure. Geez, the mastermind of making all this work. I'm not real sure how you... It should be able to just drag and... No, just not like Google Maps. Okay, yeah, you have to drag, you have to click on it and drag it. So, you know, all a gun rack here. You'll notice back here on the wall, you start getting all this old stuff hanging up. Uh -huh. uh, man, it's like single action Colts. I mean, they got. Now click on that arrow and it'll walk uh, over to that arrow. Yeah. And then you can step closer. Hopefully. Yeah, there we go. If, uh, if my internet will catch up here. Yeah, see that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me get back. Like I said, bear with me because I'm not used to this. But like, yeah, almost like a museum, you know, museumish. Yeah. Uh, and the old bullet boards they got are freaking amazing. I mean, since this this place being are they for sale or is that like that's where they're keeping their collection? They probably would sell some of that if the price was right. Uh, you'll see right here. You can see some of this has tags on it if you notice. Okay. But back here, employees only. You you seen that this is near how long that building is, right? And right. you go you go through this door into what they call their warehouse back there. Uh, and then over here is their reloading stuff. It's all in this area. There's you see some powder on the shelf, that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. What's with this then, giant shotgun on the ceiling? Uh, where? Mm, he's probably standing right underneath of it right now. The cardboard Glock 19? No. Glock so 17? Somewhere, too. It might be in front of the... No, that's right next to that clock. So it just keeps spinning around a little bit. I'm getting kind of sick. Getting kind of dizzy. 
There's a scope. Oh, yeah, that's just an old shotgun they've got hanging. Oh, I Apparently. thought it was a giant one at first. Nah, it looks normal size. Yeah. So. That's cool. Of course, you see they got targets over here. All types of old pictures, photos of hunts people's been on. You know, it's just your typical mom and pop been around for years place. Yeah. So, pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool stop. If you ever get this way, this is one of the ones that I've, I've put on the list several times if you ever get close enough. And what town is that I in? That, I think that shotgun and that scope are super big. Like, go to the front of the store again and look at them. Because there's no reason to have just a scope floating there. I think that's a giant scope. It may be a, that may it may be a promotional thing of some sort. It could be. Um, get turned around. Yeah, it's over this way. See how big it looks. I don't think and so. I think huge. I don't know. You compare it to the stock over here. It's not. The the barrel looks long. Yeah, but I mean, long toms are going to be that way. Yeah, it looks like an old bird gun. That scope looks. Look, looks like it might be a little big. So I don't like know. That, sort of like a learning thing or like a it looks gigantic to me on the picture. It could be. Yeah. Anyway, that's pretty neat. Oh, yeah. And they've got, they're taking advantage. That's what's cool. I, I didn't, until I pulled it up earlier, uh, I had never, it's been a while since I've been to the site. So, um, I'm impressed to see that they're taking advantage of this technology too. That's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Because the old man that started it, he's obviously not around anymore. Um, but yeah, notice all the old posters they got, the Remington UMCs, and all the. They just got a lot of old, cool, old stuff. So, pretty neat. Anyway, Max Gun Shop. Yeah, that's a cool, cool gun shop. Thanks for sharing that. You know, that's the point of the show, doing it on daily, so we can talk about gun shops, and we'll keep talking about them. Let's see. So, I think we've been going for about an hour. Anybody else has anything else to chat about? Um, let me know. I don't really don't really have anything to chat about, but. Uh... I would like to encourage everybody, if you haven't checked out Yankee's project for his pistol project, uh, check it out. I know he's been asking for everybody in the gun community to help promote it. You know, he's got a whole website and everything dedicated to it. And I asked Matt and the guys earlier if they would uh, try to take some time out to make a video over the next week or so. I'd like to ask kind of the same thing of everybody in here who makes videos. If you take the time to make a video to, you know, promote his project. I mean, agree with Yankee or not, and God knows I disagree with him 70% of the time, but he's doing some good work with that project of his. Yeah, it's interesting, too, that he's doing something different, and yeah, definitely worth uh, checking it out, and it's a, a creative use of Patreon, too. I like it. All right, so... Um, are we seeing anything on the YouTube side? Are we seeing much on the gun channel side? I guess that'll wrap it up. Um, anybody got anything going on that they want to brag about or shout out or get the word out about? 
Uh, I'd like to promote Patriot in the Dark's Blind Challenge. If you're out there and you've got a gun that you would like to help maybe field strip and catalog for someone that might be visually impaired, go ahead and blindfold yourself and video yourself doing a takedown, basically a field strip of it, blindfolded, but try to get as detailed you know, as you can so that someone that may not be able to see can kind of go through what you're going through just by hearing you and, and doing the, the audio. So, uh, and use a hashtag blind challenge and hashtag Patriot in the dark. Right on. It was, uh, forget where, maybe in one of his Instagram videos, Patriot said, think of it as like describing what you're doing to somebody over the phone. Right. And I was like, Oh, that, that sums it up pretty good. Oh, right? That's great. That's perfect. Yeah. And then, uh, I'm watching somebody's, I forget who now, but I'm gonna call them out. Cause they were like, okay, I'm going to take the thing off and I'm going to flip this safety. And they were blindfolded, but they were definitely not describing shit to somebody who didn't know what they were looking at. You know what I mean? So we're looking at the screen and we're seeing them flip the decocker. But all he's saying is, and then I'm going to flip the decocker over here and I'm going to do this. <laughs> I'm like, you know, that's <laughs> difficult. So, uh, Bob, do you know what we're talking about? Uh, yep. Yeah, I watched your video on it. Yep. Yeah. All right. So are you planning on doing one? Yeah, I might, yeah. I well, might. I encourage you to do so. It's it's a fun thing to do because it's it's kind of a messes with you. you know, I went into it like, whatever, I'm going to whip this out real quick. <laughs> Blabbed on for half an hour and it's shitty. Uh, so it's it's worth the, it's fun. So Clover, you've done one? Uh, no, uh, yes and no, I did. And then before I got it out, Gizzard corked me on it. So I'm going to go back. He, uh, it was on the Glock 42, but I actually went as far as taking the uh, extractor assembly and the striker and all out of the slide. So I'm going to think I'm going to edit mine as an addendum to Gary's uh, and just actually publish that particular part of it. And then I'll shout out Gary to say, if you want to go get that far, you know, go check out this video and then continue from there if you want to remove the striker and the uh, extractor. And then Ghost, which one did you do? I did the uh, MMP Shield. And then Gary did the Glock. Uh, yeah. Dano, you going to do one? Uh, no, I have not. Are you going to? I don't know. I I, I just uh, hadn't decided yet. One way or the other. Well, I'm and then, Dog, did you say you did one? Uh, I started one, but then somebody already beat me to the idea of doing it with the dog and keep breaking down the dog, so... I have to think of a new one to do. Whatever. What is this pussy ass? Let me get it first, so I got to do it again. Just keep doing your damn videos. But anyway, uh, <laughs> is this supposed to be on a gun that has not yet been done? No, that's not even a thing. So I don't know why everybody's using that as a crutch, as, a, as an excuse. But anyway, for everybody that's done one or whatever, published or not, it was weird, right? It, yes. It's neat. Very. I thought it was not just a neat thing to participate in something the Patriots doing, who's a member of gun channels and he's doing all kinds of cool stuff and just a way to do something new. But, but this particular effort was neat. It was definitely interesting and to do, and it's been interesting to watch people's uh, videos. So, I mean, I don't know if he had a bigger grand scheme in mind, but, uh, I think it's pretty neat. So I'm going to encourage everybody, if you haven't done one, to do one and, you know, definitely do it for Patriot or, I mean, link to Patriot and everything. But 
I don't know if there's if it's possible for somebody to have an issue with Patriot. I'm going to assume that's possibly a thing, right? Even if you don't want to participate in his project, I'd encourage you to do one because it is interesting. And I think it's neat to reach out to people who would normally not be reached out to. That's people who aren't seeing what we're talking about all the time, especially on the medium where you know, it's the second biggest search engine that is basically telling blind people F you. So it's kind of a neat way to include people and in multiple ways, right? Well, I think it's like you said, it, it's there are people out there that are blind that may be interested in guns, but may not feel that there's any way that they could ever be proficient in cleaning it or whatever because there's not any videos. So there might be people that you can even bring to the community, not existing blind shooters, but new blind shooters that say, man, there's a community out there that actually is trying to help us. So I think that that's something that you think about also is you'd be bringing a whole new demographic to the community. And we got to stay tuned for whatever, because Patriot now has to come up with something even better for next time, right? Yeah. Well, he said you could do more than one if you want to. Well, I'm going to bug everybody to do one first, and then we'll see. But, uh, yeah, whoever came up with the dog, that was a good idea. I was going to do that, too. And I'm still going to do it, though, because dogs are different. Your dog's different than my dog, right? So, I don't know. There's got to be blind people. I, I would think that unless people are jerks, they've taken blind people to pet dogs before. But... I'd hope so. Possible that there's a blind person that hasn't petted every kind of dog, you know. So telling them a difference between a pointy dog and a rounded dog, or a tall dog and a squatty dog, or a fluffy dog, or a whatever pit bulls are muscular dogs, you know, would be uh, thing. Anyway, just for the exercise, I think it might be neat. Plus, I'm sure the dog would like uh, some amount of time of a person touching them and talking about them. Oh yeah, my boy's a ham. He he gets a kick out of that. <laughs> There's always cats. I guess cats. <laughs> we don't need no stinking cats. Hey now. Yeah, Dano doesn't even own a goldfish. Well, he had one, but it ran away. Um. So. What else do we got? Anything? We used to do some other stuff on Wednesdays. We'll start getting back to that once we got more regular uh, schedule again. And I guess thanks everybody for showing up. We'll be back same time, same on channels.